On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irokti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligam, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. As polarising a figure as Ireland has ever seen, Roy Keane has had somewhat of a rebrand in recent years. I never like players who smile. Football isn't fun, Roy. No, no, no. You're there to win, remember. The hothead from Cork has traded in much of his abrasive side for a more mild-mannered and TV-friendly demeanour. Can you tell me what it was like when you met your missus? Uh... Okay, yeah, obviously there's <laughs> drink involved and, um, yeah. In recent days, though, he has been back in the headlines as he eyes up his chances as the next Ireland manager. You kind of know there probably would be the odd commercial brain in the FEI who might be thinking, yes, this is showbiz. This is showbiz, yeah. but that's Delaney era FEI thinking too. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Daniel MacDonald, football correspondent with the Irish Independent, and by Dave Hanratty, also of the Irish Independent, to discuss the many faces of Ireland's most divisive sporting figure, and to ask whether he's likely to take up the reins from Stephen Kenny in the coming weeks. That's his job, isn't it? That's his job to make saves. When I hear people saying someone's a good shot stop for a goalkeeper, is that not what you're supposed to do? Dan, Roy Keane, potential Ireland manager, seven Premier League titles, a European Cup, experience at club level, Sunderland, Ipswich, Aston Villa, various roles, experience at international level, both as a player and as an assistant manager to Martin O'Neill, who got us to a Euros. What's the problem here? So let's go back to some of Roy's rants. The John Walters relationship when Roy was assistant manager with Ireland, there was a bit of a breakdown there, which crossed over with club level as well. What do we know about that particular row? When Roy Keane is mentioned as a candidate, people just sort of forget some of these spats that happened along the way. But his last engagement with the Ireland squad, as you mentioned, he was assistant manager. 
and his row with John Walters, most of which we learned about over a leaked WhatsApp message from Stephen Ward, who was sending a message to his mates and detailed in full detail about how Roy Keane and John Walters had had several issues around the camp in the summer of 2018. Johnny lost his head, jumped off the bench, walked after him, grabbed his arm and said, what's the story, Roy? Uh, like, if you've got a problem, say it to my face, don't fucking walk off. And he was like, yeah, I do have a problem. He's like, you're always fucking, you know, you're not training, you're getting soft. It's no wonder Deutsch doesn't play you. You're fucking always just looking for an argument like you are now. In short, Roy Keane felt that John Walters should have been training more. He was carrying an injury and they had a couple of confrontations about that, including Walters challenging him to a physical confrontation. And he was like, oh, what, you're threatening me, threatening me again, John, like you did at Ipswich. And Johnny was like, yeah, what, and you're going to be a shithouse again and just send me my fine in the post rather than saying to my face. John Walters tried to leave the club to join a Premier League club. Roy Keane took umbrage with that. And he was like... No, Roy, really, you're just fucking, you're the one trying to fight, like cause an argument. Apparently they were squaring up to each other and having it off and had to be pulled off each other. But it then turned quite unsavoury afterwards. Roy Keane in front of a live audience at a, a roadshow event. I've worked with John. He was demanding, he was demanding to leave Ipswich when I was down there. Talks a good game. Imagine if he had a good CV. Imagine if he won a trophy. You know, having a go with John Walters about crying on TV, about his family situation. John Walters gave quite a heartfelt interview about losing his brother. And he brought up stuff about John Walters' past. Again, talks a good game. And then there's the circuit, of course. There's all the circuit stuff. Goes on the TV, how, how harshly he was treated by me. He's crying on the TV. Family situation. There's just, he's the only one who's... Don't do me a favour. <laughs> But the bottom line was that the Stephen Ward WhatsApp note revealed maybe an element of how Keane was perceived within the squad, sort of going round the place, starting a couple of disagreements. He didn't just take on John Walters, he took on Harry Arthur. This was also Declan Rice's last camp and it wasn't a particularly happy camp. And I think you will find when Martin O'Neill left, Matt Doherty was won. And there was a couple of players made it sort of, hmm, they weren't too impressed about Roy Keane as an assistant manager and, and what he brought to the place over time. I think initially it was fine, but Roy Keane over time, I think he's someone who tends to be glass half empty with people as opposed to glass half full and that grates. Yeah, and when his exacting standards are not met, he tends to let people know. Of course, the most infamous bust up in the history of Irish football. It's now almost a week since those first reports began to emerge from the Ireland World Cup training camp in Saipan. Recap and tell us what side you were on. Well, I, I mean, genuinely, genuinely, I was in, I think, the silent, I don't know whether it's the silent majority, but the silent ones who just thought this is just all so unnecessary. I think probably my view and a lot of people's view over time, and I could be wrong and people would have different opinions, but I think at the time a lot of people were sympathetic because Roy Keane as a player, you're right, exacting standards. He was the top. He was one of the best players in the world, the greatest player of his generation in the Premier League, in my view. So he was right because he was the player. but. As time passes by and Roy Keane, you see in management struggling to impose a style on other people, you sort of realise that actually Roy Keane was just human. And sometimes in life, you know, you have to realise that you just have to compromise a little bit. I told him that he was wrong. And I didn't fake injury. And that uh, I didn't respect him as a manager, as a person, as a player. I mean, there was a historic beef between Roy Keane and Mick McCarthy going back to the US Cup in the early 90s. They never liked each other. If it was a different manager who he didn't have an enmity with, 
you would wonder would it have played out differently in Saipan. I suspect it might have. Yeah. There's also an element with Roy Keane where he seems to admire managers who treat him with tough love. There's the famous incident where Brian Clough, his, his manager, Nottingham Forest, punches him in the stomach after a bad back pass results in a goal being mm. conceded in an FA Cup, Cup game. Fine. Then he gets on well with Alex Ferguson, who is seen to be a disciplinarian kind of manager. You don't cross him until it all falls apart. He famously went on MUTV, the in-house station, and slaughtered the players in a tape that was basically spiked and basically, long story short, paved the way for Alex Ferguson to realise, well, this guy isn't helping me anymore. And he cut him. You know, he cut him pretty ruthlessly. He decided to go and criticise his teammates. And so most of you have not seen that video, but you couldn't release it. We couldn't release it. Ended up with uh, two of the young players being booed before the game in, in, in Paris on the Wednesday. For Roy, he overstepped his mark. Absolutely overstepped his mark. And there was no other thing we could do. And Roy Keane, you sense that sense of hurt has never left him. The MUTV league, why do you think, how do you think that got out? Propaganda from United, absolutely. I was ranting and raving, again, the usual nonsense. Um, the tape had to be destroyed, what other rubbish. Yeah, Roy seems to take every opportunity available to kind of talk down Ferguson and, and basically accuse him of putting his own interests ahead of the club. Absolutely, yeah. Now, he's had a couple of digs about Alex Ferguson and his involvement with Rocket Gibraltar and a couple of various distractions. And again, like he can make some good points, but again with Roy Keane, yeah. Like, I mean, Alex Ferguson was a superb manager for him. And you see on this podcast he does with Gary Neville, you know, occasionally Neville will try and get Keane to grudgingly give Ferguson compliments and it's a struggle because he just sensed there's a wall there. You cross Keane, he doesn't forget. A classic example of that, crossing Keane and not forgetting, people will be familiar with Erling Haaland, basically regarded as the best striker in the world at the moment, playing for Manchester City. And his dad and Roy Keane, there is beef there. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's sort of a seminal moment in Roy Keane's life is when he did his cruciate ligament playing for Manchester United against Leeds in 1997. So September 1997 and Roy Keane bursting into the penalty area and had a flick at Holland and I think he did his knee ligament and that was the year that uh, Arsenal went on to win the championship. It was a bad time in his life and while he was riding on the turf feeling this injury, Alf Inge Haaland made a couple of comments in his direction which Keane never, uh, he never forgot those comments and yeah, in a Manchester derby four years later he saw the chance to exact revenge. Now, Roy Keane has done a couple of autobiographies in his Eamon Dunphy one. He was quite strong on his intent to do harm, I guess, to, to Haaland. In his latest one with Roddy Doyle he, he said he wanted to hurt him but not to injure him which is a crucial distinction. Fine, fine. Crucial distinction, but I mean, the first time you know, he, he was fined, you know, I think Eamon Dunphy had to say that he employed a degree of artistic license and there was a dispute around that. But I mean, it was clear. I mean, people watch Roy Keane, you could watch it with your eyes. You know, there was venom in the tackle. He said something afterwards. It was something he'd waited for. It was towards the end of a game. Again, as I said, it's that fine line between wanting to let someone know you're there and wanting them to be injured. There is a version of events that had ended Alfinger Hallen's career. That's not, that's not actually true. He, he did play on afterwards. Um, but there's no doubt, again, that was something he carried around with him and he saw his chance to, to strike. Obviously, you didn't mind for him to get injured. No, 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 of course. Him, but I went to, I did, did I go to hurt players? Like, of course I did. I, I'd never apologise for that.
So Dave Hanretti, Roy Keane, tough tackling midfielder to quick-witted soundbite merchant as a commentator. How did this transition come around? It's somewhat unlikely. It didn't seem like it was going to happen because he spoke about punditry. You know, if we're going to talk about Roy Keane, the media man, the content machine, maybe the rent-a-quote, we're going to look at that. But initially, he said he didn't want anything to do with punditry post-football and football management. He said, it would, you know, he'd rather go to the dentist, you know, that classic line, which I guess maybe shows, you know, a bit of quipping there maybe get him in the pundit seat. But 2011, he does the ITV coverage of the Champions League final between Man United and Barcelona. And he was fine. Didn't show an amazing amount of charisma the first time out, probably a bit of nerves, etc. But the reason that he said that he did it is because of his horoscope. He said that he was home that morning or that week, looked at his horoscope, which is a wonderful image, by the way, Roy Keane in his house going through the back of the, of the paper. And it said, stop saying no to people. So he thought, okay, fine. I'll, I'll follow this astrology advice, which again, didn't see that coming. Next thing you know, he's in the ITV chair. And then over the years, the follow gets onto Sky. And now he's a household fixture. So he ruled it out. But now it's it's making him a lot of money. And the strange thing is as well, when he was a player, he had a bit of a, a hostile relationship with media. He often complained in his earlier days about the coverage he received in Ireland and his family. Yeah. There's the fantastic images of him coming back from the row with Mick McCarthy in Saipan and he walks the dog through a plethora of uh, cameras and photographers and reporters trying to get him to say anything. He just keeps staring straight ahead. So isn't that quite the transition as well? Big time, yeah. You hear that wonderful snapping sound of all those cameras. He's saying not a word, which of course is in quite the contrast. But he would be very vocal, especially post-Saipan. You know, he was accusing people of leaking stuff to the media constantly. So it's a question of, you know, has he joined the dark side? I think he's not a man who can sit still, I think, for most of the time. And I think it's good for him to be kind of amongst his peers. It's interesting to contrast as well his relationships with former players like Patrick Vieira. infamous clashes in 2005 in the tunnel before the United-Arsenal game because Gary Neville was being picked on, which is a wonderful little story in and of itself. And then, of course, smash cut to today and they're good buddies. I don't know if they're, you know, best mates, but they've certainly done a documentary together. They'll appear on coverage together. And he's managed to kind of leave some of those old enemies behind. Not all of them, of course, as we've already heard. But I think Roy Keane, the media pundit, took us all by surprise, but he's absolutely capitalised on it. Although... Is it running out of steam, do we think? So what's his style then as a pundit? Abrasive, funny. Like, he is funny. I think Roy Keane's comic timing is underrated, actually, and they've played into that over the years. Sometimes I do wonder if it's a bit cynical, a bit put on, but I, I guess if I look at it and I analyse it, I think, no, this is probably what he's really like as a person with his mates down the pub. He's, you know, doesn't suffer fools gladly, as we know, but he's great with a quip. He has an incredible look, whether he's got the full beard going or whatever. Like, he just has the eyes. It's all in the eyes. And I think as well, if you look at him as well, in his Sky job in particular, I think the pairing of him and Micah Richards has been really good. I know Micah Richards is probably the wrong way in some cases. I love his unbridled enthusiasm. I think he's great. And I think Roy Keane can't resist it. Jesus! I burst onto the scene, didn't I? And I was going to be the next 
Best thing. Did you burst onto the scene? <laughs> burst? You don't remember <laughs> my head against on Villa? Do you not remember that? No. Very few defenders burst onto. The <laughs> scene. Well, hold on. I played for England at 18. Youngest ever defender to play for England. You see him trying to maintain a stonewall face on him, and it's not happening because Mike Richards is egging him on. They're clearly good buddies, so I think he actually enjoys what he does. But he will cut people down to size when asked to do so, and that's what he's there for. He's there to play that role and kind of rile people up. And sometimes, like I say, it can feel a bit forced, but generally. Like I say, he doesn't suffer fools gladly and we get to see it. And he knows how to deliver a, a line, great repeated quotes now of, you know, isn't that their job? You know, when people start praising themselves for the effort that they're put in, which is now being applied in a variety of contexts associated uh, with him. But in the modern era of social media, that is also vitally important. So it's not just the viewing audience at home, it's the subsequent capital that the brand can make off that. I think most of his content, if you want to use that word for it, because that's kind of what this is, especially in the cut-down social media era, most of that comes from people looking at their phone. Like, let's say you're in a pub watching the football, you probably can't hear what he's saying on the screen. Are people gathering around the TV on a Sunday as much as they used to? Maybe not. So yeah, the people who run Sky Sports, for example, and I guess ITV and BBC to a lesser extent, because there's less coverage, um, it's their job in the social media department to take a moment during the broadcast when maybe a row happens or Roy Keane said something funny or something crazy happened in the studio and then, you know, slap it up, cut down the clip to about 60 seconds, two minutes at max maybe, throw some emojis in there. We love that. A bit of cry laugh emoji, red-faced angry emoji and use capital letters to infer that something huge and sensational has happened. Now, Often, that isn't the case. It is misleading, but it still gets the numbers. Sometimes, no, it's an accurate reflection of what happened. Roy Keane and Gary Neville were shouting at each other for 10 minutes. There's players, Gary, at Man United done a lot worse than what he's done. But it's in, in, in the current moment, Gary, where do you want me to get started? You know Paul Scholes. Scholes is a great lad. No, no, no let me finish. In, no, but he certainly feels whatever's gone on, he's been unfairly treated. But whether it goes on YouTube, whether it goes on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, Instagram, all the different platforms. That's the point. I don't know what they're told in the studio if a director is saying, be mad, Roy, but you have to imagine it's encouraged. In a, an era when some stations are being accused of sanitizing their commentary and their punditry, being too facts-driven, having a whole load of data about possession and so on and so forth. Is Roy a throwback to the glory days that we had here of Eamon Dunphy, Johnny Giles and Bill O'Hurley? A little bit. And I've always thought that, you know, if you look at Graham Souness, for example, who's left Sky Sports recently, I always thought that Souness had his kind of proving ground when he was with RTE because he'd be caught in the middle of Dunphy and Giles and Brady and it felt like a school kid who was trying to hang out with the bigger boys and they'd kind of cut him down to size. But for, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm going to tell you what you're talking about. Yeah. Where did you manage? I didn't manage anywhere. Oh, I managed to stay alive for six right, and a half years. Leave it there for the time being. But then he'd go to Sky, where it was very sanitised, Jamie Redknapp, whatever, and Sunez would stand out because he had bristle and you could tell he'd learned it in Dublin. I think Keane kind of has that as well, but also, more so, whether it's Roy Keane, whether it's Alan Shearer, whether it's Ian Wright, and we've watched all these people grow as pundits in the last 10 years, they have gotten more savvy and they have gotten more data-driven. Keane will always be good for a quote and he will, of course, he's an old-school player. You saw him on the pitch. I don't think Man United or Ireland have ever seen a player of his calibre or stature since he left. But he does bring that to the studio. It's not cheap, I don't think. It's a combination of his emotion or some would say a lack of, although I do think he's actually an emotional guy deep down. But yeah, he will tap into it. It's not the kind of Sam Allardyce, don't talk to me about, you know, pressing or ticky-tacker or whatever. I think he actually finds a decent balance. And now, Dan, what about the current vacancy? Stephen Kenny departing in November. 
there's a, a list of candidates being looked at and Roy Keane being mentioned. Is that realistic? Is he interested? And is he a suitable candidate? Well, look, he's, he has said himself on this stick to football show that he does, that he would be interested in the Ireland job. I have to say, you never want to be too emphatic with anything involving Roy Keane. I remember the Friday when he came into the picture as Martin O'Neill's assistant and no one could quite believe it was happening and it, and it was happening. I'd be astonished this time. Astonished. Doesn't fit the profile of the candidate they've discussed. He's had his recent history with John Walters and you know the Ireland squad. And OK, a lot of those players have moved on, but people would be aware. It would be extraordinary. I mean, the feeling is that things have moved on down the road with Lee Carsley being the number one candidate. There's a certain irony in that. I mean, you know, we talk about Saipan and Roy Keane was the star. Lee Carsley played two minutes in that tournament. In relative terms, was just a nobody compared to Roy Keane. Yet management is a great leveller and you fast forward two decades and Lee Carsley is a hot property. It's a great headline grabber. The FAI need a sponsor. The FAI, you know, need a bit of a commercial boost. You kind of know there probably will be the odd commercial brain in the FEI who might be thinking, yes. This is showbiz. This is showbiz. Yeah. But that's Delaney era FEI thinking too. That's what John Delaney might have done. You get a short hit to keep the Wallace from the door. The FEI are trying to present their tactical director or director of football, Mark Cannon. He's the guy who's heading this process. He's spoken about a particular type of candidate, you know, the head coach, not the manager, not a modern football speak. You listen to this and none of it applies to Roy Keane. And in this social media era where players seem to be as conscious of their image as much as their performances on the pitch. Are they too pampered these days to have a disciplinarian type approach from the likes of Roy Keane? No, I think you see sometimes there can be a way to just label things that way. Like Roy Keane is is regarded well he has like these exacting standards, um, you know, players can't sort of cope with it. And that seems to be the story that's put out there as though it's always Roy Keane the player rather than Roy Keane the manager. And this is, I think, the issue with sometimes great players going into management. You see Roy Keane, even in his podcast now, where he's a lot more warm, but he still can't disguise his disdain at times for players who aren't as good as him. Like standards isn't just getting tough on people. Standards is maybe the highest class of analysis, you know, the highest class of preparation, the highest class of tactical insight. Whereas he sends with Roy Keane and maybe he will feel it's unfair he's portrayed that way, but it always seems to be about the physical and the, you know, taking on these these pampered players. It's it's I don't think it's quite as black and white as that, to be honest. So Carlos, who who are you thinking will be the manager at this point? Yeah, I at this stage I, I feel like Lee Carsley would have been emphatically ruled out if he wasn't in the race at this point. I will say in a Delaney era, there could be lads and supporters clubs walking around the place, you know, with information on what's going on. They've kept it a bit tighter this time. Uh, I think it's a shorter list. But yeah, the Lee Carsley speculation isn't ill-founded. And my thanks to Daniel McDonnell and to Dave Hanratty. I'm Fiannan Sheehan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Ian Doyle, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Rory Bones. Archive clips from Sky Sports, RTE Sport, The Tommy Tiernan Show, Off the Ball, Talk Sport and The Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.
Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. 0818-715-715.